Philippians chapter 4 from verse 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. It's great to uh, be showing with you this morning. And just to say, uh, lots of people are joining the church, uh, moving to the city at this time of year. It's great to see you. Looking forward to hearing your story and getting to know you a bit better. It's a great time to be uh, connecting in with church. Lots of people reconnecting church after the last couple of years we've had. It's great to have you with us. And I want to speak today at the start of this new season about the power of prayer. The power of prayer. And there are many verses in the Bible which is really important to read. But there are some verses which it's important to memorize uh, because they give us language which helps us to speak to our hearts, words that God has given us to get God's truth on the inside of us, even into our actual bloodstream. And our passage today, we've got a couple of verses like that. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because I really sense in this season, with all that's going on in our lives, all that's going on in the world, that what will mark us out as the people of God is how we pray. I really sense that what God is calling us to as a church in this new season, with all that we sense God is calling us to do, what he wants us to do is to contend in prayer for the things we long to see him do in our lives, in the lives of those around us, in this city, in this whole region. What is it that you would long to see God do in your life, in your family's life, in your friend's life? In your workplace, in your hospital, your school, your university, your business. What is it that you want God to see, see God do at this time? But first, because I'm speaking about prayer, I always think it's really important to start with a confession. And so gather in, all of you watching online, gather in. Uh, uh, and the confession is this, I haven't always found it easy to pray. To pray. And if I'm honest, I haven't always really understood what prayer is. Is. I knew it was something I was supposed to do, and it was an important thing to do. I knew it was something that could make a real difference to your life. I knew it was something that could help you in some way. I knew it helped develop a relationship with God. It could even impact your day-to-day life. But I, I, I'm quite wired to take action. I'm wired to be busy. And I have found it in my life at points quite difficult and almost counterintuitive to take a step back from the demands of day-to-day life and all that's going on and say, no, 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 first, I'm going to pray. Sometimes it can almost feel like a revolutionary act with all the competing demands for our attention and our focus to take a step back and just to set aside time to pray. But here's the thing. God could use any means on the face of the earth to get your attention. And yet he waits for you to turn 
your thoughts and your words to him in prayer. God could use any means of accomplishing his purposes in this world. And yet he chooses to wait on, to listen for, and to respond to our prayers. And that means that God must care more about getting to know you and you getting to know him than he does about just making things happen and just getting stuff done. That means that we have no hope of becoming the people God has created us to be without prayer. What if the key to every situation you're facing right now is prayer? What if the most significant thing you did with your whole life wasn't an activity that you accomplished but a prayer you whispered. The first thing we see in this passage is that prayer is the antidote for an anxious world. Paul writes this letter, as you know, um, from prison, chain, cut off from friends, from family, uh, people he would long to connect with, cut off from those he would long to invest his life in. He has lots to be anxious about, and yet he says, don't be anxious about anything. He's not talking here about what we might describe as clinical anxiety. Uh, lots of us face that at different times in our life. It's really important to get help for that, maybe get therapy for that. Maybe you might need medication for that, support and prayer as well. Paul's not talking about that. He's talking about the anxious thoughts that trouble all of us. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. And you think, well, Paul, there's a lot to be anxious about. I mean, in our life at the moment, there's challenges nationally. We've got a lot of political turmoil. There's a government in flux this week at a key moment in our world and in our nation. All the pieces are shifting. All the players are changing. We've got economic turmoil. We've got huge challenges in our health and our education sectors. We've got global food shortages. We've got massive supply chain disruptions affecting the movement of goods right around the planet. We've got those suffering from uh, climate turmoil. Lots of what's happening in Pakistan right now to do with the melting of what is sometimes called the third pole in the world, in the northern regions of Pakistan. Capital assets outside, out of balance with incomes across the globe. The wars ongoing, which are brutal. Risks of wars breaking out, which are traumatic and terrifying. We've got a remarkable, for the first time I can remember, an extraordinary degree of polarization and fragility in well-developed political systems across the world, well-developed democratic systems across the globe. Last week, survey in the US, 40% of people think there'll be a civil war within the US within the next 10 years. That's terrifying. And the thing is, it used to be that you listened to the news and you got news. You know, that they told you facts and information on which to base your lives. About 20 years ago, people worked out that actually uh, news is interesting, but it's not that interesting. And if they want to keep your attention, and all attention is monetized now, as you know, if they want to keep your attention, they need to stimulate emotion. So now you turn on the news, and what they're trying to do is not just tell you the news, they're trying to provoke an emotion in you about the news. So you never get an article these days written like, child swing in park broken. You get horror and outrage as vile vandals desecrate children's one hope of post-COVID happiness. <laughs> and you feel it rising within you. And it's difficult because we want, to, we want to know what's going on, but we're just taking on this emotional flux the whole time. And it's also in our day-to-day -day lives as well. And Beth said to me last week, you know, I said, what, what are you anxious about? She said, I'm anxious about 
how you know normal little schools around the country are going to pay their heating bills next year? I was like, huh. She said, what are you anxious about? And I said, to be honest? She said, yeah. I said, well, in Ukraine at the moment, the Ukrainian army is performing a counteroffensive in the Kurzon Oblast. If that is successful and they push the Russian army beyond the Dnipro River, then there's a risk, uh, and it might be a good risk, but there's a risk of a collapse in morale amongst the Russian army, and therefore the Ukrainian army going all the way into Crimea. That might create instability in Putin's inner circle. Who knows what might then happen? All bets are off. Beth was like, what? <laughs> there's a lot to think about. <laughs> and in our own personal lives. You know, we can be worried about maybe you've got a child going to university or you've got a child going to school or you're starting a new job this week. You're a bit anxious about it. Maybe you're still processing that conversation from last year or why that relationship didn't work out even though you thought it might or why that project at work failed. There's a lot to be anxious about. But it's so interesting because... The world wants us to be anxious about everything. And Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. The word Paul uses here for anxious, marimna, it means to be divided, split up, to have a divided mind. It means our mind is in pieces, focused on many things. Worry divides up our thoughts, it divides up our attention, it divides up our focus. When you're anxious, as you know, you flit around from thing to thing, scarcely landing, skimming across a hundred different challenges and problems, and you feel a bit churned up, you feel a bit in pieces. So what's the answer? What do you do? Well, one answer is, well, just separate yourself from the things that make you anxious. Sometimes that can be a really constructive thing to do. Sometimes the, most, the best thing, the most holy thing you can do when you're anxious is to take some exercise, have some good food, and get a good night's sleep. But the difficulty is, I don't know if you've noticed this, that lots of the things that make us most anxious are the things we care most about. It's hard to separate yourself from your children. It's not wise. We worry because something we love is threatened. You follow your worries, you find your loves. There's something worse than always worrying, and that might be never worrying about anything. Even Paul says in another part of the Bible, he says, I daily feel the anxiety of all the churches. He knows what it is to face worries because he knows what he cares about. So we can't always separate ourselves from things. But then we say, well, I can be that I'll toughen up. I'll harden my heart. But then that's not always a good thing. It's good sometimes to distract yourself from the challenges of life. You know, to go onto Netflix or Amazon Prime. Maybe, you know, just, I'll just spend five minutes just seeing what's going on in my friends' lives. Then half an hour later, you're like, killer whales target the liver of a great white shark. I never knew that. The algorithms are serving you up videos of it. You know, it's like, how? Why? It's not good to harden your heart. So what can we do? Well, Paul says, don't separate yourself. Don't remove yourself from the things you care about. Don't harden your heart to the impact of those things. But rather, redirect your anxious thoughts. Don't detach yourselves from your worries. Turn your worries into prayer. In everything, whatever you're facing, by prayer and petition, bring your request to God. 
in every situation. If it's big enough for you to worry about, it's big enough for you to pray about. I sometimes get a little bit jaded about this, if I'm honest, because I've been Christian a few years now. And I think, oh, well, you know, I, I shouldn't really pray about that. I should only pray about big things. I, I, that's why I love spending time with people who've just encountered Jesus. Last year I was in the Alpha group, and lots of people who uh, weren't churchgoers, weren't Christians, we're studying Alpha in just a few weeks' time. And they had lots of questions. And there was one guy, Andy, he's given me permission to share this story. He said, I'm an atheist. I don't go to church, never been to church, never been interested in church. My parents are atheists. They raised me as an atheist. And then over the course of the weeks, he started to kind of enjoy talking about faith. And then uh, one particular day, he decided to become a Christian. And then three days later, we're in the Alpha group. Another person in the Alpha group, Holly, uh, they've given me permission to share this. She, she turned up, she said, I, I'm really stressed, I'm really worried. We said, why? She said, I've, I've got this bid tomorrow for a contract. I'm an entrepreneur, a marketing entrepreneur. If I get this contract, it will transform my company. But all the other major companies are bidding for it. It's me on my own. Highly unlikely I'm going to get it. It's quite tricky, it's difficult. And I was thinking, what advice can I give to someone bidding for a marketing contract? Let me just think. Andy, before I even had a chance to think, said, let me pray for you. I was like, Andy, we don't do that. I mean, I, I was like, what? He said, let's pray for you that you get the contract. I was thinking, this is the first time Andy has ever prayed out loud. This is not wise. He should pray for a non-measurable outcome. <laughs> and then if it doesn't work, it's going to be okay. Like... But he's already on it. He's like, God, we pray for Holly. We pray that she gets this contract and she gets all the contracts for this company. I'm like, oh my goodness me. <laughs> I went away. I thought, this, how am I going to manage the fallout from this? Like, why didn't God answer my prayer? I think of all the answers. Turns up next week, Holly turns up. I got it. <laughs> and they've given me the contract for all the other, all the other places around the UK as well. I said, you're joking. <laughs> and he's like, Steve, why are you so surprised? We ask God. I've been a Christian three decades. He'd been a Christian three days. He needed no encouragement to pray. I needed lots of encouragement. When we pray, facts on the grounds change. If it's big enough for you to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. But when we pray, things change in us. Paul says when we pray, when we bring our request to God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So often we think of peace as passive. Peace is the absence of conflict, the absence of stress. No tricky people in my life. But Paul here is translating a word, shalom, which means wholeness, completion, integration. When the shattered pieces and anxious thoughts of our lives come together in Jesus, in harmony. As you pray, the peace of God, God's peace, becomes an active agent in your life. It's not passive. It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's peace as a military guard, a peacekeeping force in your life, protecting your heart and your mind from anything that might distress you, or draw you away from Jesus Christ. When you pray, peace stands sentry around you, around your family, around your home, getting ready to defend you and those you are praying for from anything that might come against you. When we pray, 
We are connected with the one who made us for a purpose and wants us to live whole, integrated, together lives. When we pray, our confidence in God's wise and loving control of the universe grows. Prayer puts the pieces of our lives back together in the presence of the one who thought you up and wants you to live whole. It was a time when I was working as a lawyer. I was traveling into work. It was about a 35-minute journey into work, 35-minute journey out of work. And I just thought, I'll pray on the way in, I'll pray on the way out. You know, I wasn't very good at it, but I prayed, and because it was quite a noisy journey, I was using some prayers I could just read, and it helped me focus, and I'd like read these prayers either on my phone or, or just on, in a book, and, and that would help me focus. And I'd do it on the way in, way out, way in, way out, way in, way out for weeks. Didn't think much of it. And, uh, and then one day I was doing quite a stressful case. It was a big case, and uh, there was a lot of tricky things about it. And it was going on and on and on. And then we hit a really difficult point in that case. And the solicitor I was working with, who was twice my age, phoned me up. And he said, Steve, it's a disaster. It's a crisis. And I said, what do you mean? He said, this has happened. I was like, ooh, that's tricky. He said, this has happened. I said, that's really tricky. He said, this has happened. This has happened. I said, it's quite complex. He said, yes, it's complex. I said, well, we just need to think about this. Might need to come up with a plan for that, work out how we can do this, work out how we can do that. He said, is that it? I said, yeah. He said, why are you so calm? <laughs> I was like, oh I, oh, I just think that's the right way forward. He said, it is the right way forward, but why are you so calm? <laughs> and I came off the phone. I thought, why am I so calm? I don't even know. And then I realized the peace of God, which passes all understanding, was guarding my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And he could tell it through a phone call. Sometimes you don't even have to stay and say anything. I, um, uh, when we moved to this city, uh, one of the very difficult things we had to work out was um, where I would go to get my hair cut. And uh, <laughs> it's quite complex finding a new barber. You're establishing a whole new relationship of trust. Had a couple of false starts. And you might have noticed. And... Uh, <laughs> And then I went into this one barber's, um, young man's on the high street, if you're watching Matthew, hi. And uh, I saw him on Friday, he said, give me a wave, there's your wave. And, uh, and I went in, I saw this guy, and I thought, that guy knows how to cut hair. You know, he just had a look about him. And, um, and I looked at him, and I didn't feel any stress, I just felt completely peace, I sat down in his chair, I didn't even ask him what to do, he just did it. And uh, as we were coming to the end of this haircut, uh, we just started talking about faith a bit. And just as I was about to get up to go, he said, John, I wasn't going to say anything. But I woke up this morning and I felt this anxiety in my stomach. It gripped me. And then he said, you're my third client. All through the morning, it's been growing in my chest and just growing and growing. I've been feeling more and more anxious. But he said, the second you sat in that chair, it just, the anxiety just disappeared. And I felt peace. He said, it's just lifted off me. Now, let me be clear. When I sit in a barber's chair, I sit in a barber's chair like you sit in a barber's chair. I don't go, <laughs> you know, I'm not... <laughs> just normal. But the peace of God, which passes all understanding, was obviously guarding my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And it overflowed. 
And it impacted him in a way that I wasn't even aware of. It's an anxious time. It's an anxious season. People around us, in our families, our friendships, our workplaces, wherever God has positioned us, likely to be a bit anxious at the moment. Just think of the impact you can make as you pray that the peace of God would guard your heart and your mind. Think of the difference that will make to the people around you. Think of what they might see in you because of the prayers you make. Prayer is the antidote to an anxious age. But the second thing we see in this passage is that gratitude is the catalyst for a prayerful life. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Strange two words there. Easy to overlook, easy to miss. With thanksgiving. You think, Paul, I think you've muddled that verse up a bit. I know it's, you know, New Testament Greek is difficult language, but, you know, what, why have you got it that way around? I mean, in life, someone does something for you, and then you say, thank you. So surely it works the same way here, you know. We prayed, you responded. Thanks, God. We asked, you acted. Thanks, God. We requested, you gave. Thanks, God. But there is a theme throughout Scripture that the people of God bring their request to God with a sacrifice of thanks and praise. The word here, it means, it means God's good grace. You Eucharist. God's good grace. Thanking him for his good grace. Thanking him in the midst of whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, however tricky things are, however great things are, you have an opportunity to thank God for his good grace and gifts to you. There's always a reason to be grateful to God. But it's tough sometimes. Generally speaking in life, there are two trajectories. You either take things for granted or you take things with gratitude. And if you take things for granted, you'll know, I've experienced this. When you take them for granted, you start finding reasons to grumble. And then you start finding fault. Then you find more reasons to grumble. And it becomes a negative spiral. If you take things with gratitude, you find reasons to be grateful. You focus on your blessings, what God has given to you. And you give thanks for what we have, what God has given us to, what he has blessed us with. I was really struck by this when I uh, started training to be a barrister. Uh, you have to do this year-long training kind of regime. It's a year-long job interview. It's really cruel. There were like 10 people vying for one place. It's a little bit like The Apprentice meets The Hunger Games. And, uh, and, and at the end of this year, one person got a job. And the way... Uh, barrister's offices work is outside the front door there's a list of names of all the people who work at that company so here's, here's a list of names just to give you an idea of what it looks like um, it's just going to come up on the screen there you go, um, that's what it looks like so you walk in the door and you see all the people who work at that company and, uh, and so every day eight times a day I'd walk past this list for the whole of that year and I'd look at that list and i think Lord, if you give me one thing in my life Get my name on that list. Like, I will never ask for anything. That is all I need for unending joy and gratitude. 
I'll never be miserable again. I'll never be unhappy again. I'll never ask for anything else again. I was just like, that's all. Just get my name on the list. Get my name on the list. Please, please, please. For a year. And then at the end of the year, they kind of phoned me up. They were very kind. They said, we'd like you to come. So, so thrilled. And then the moment came. You walk past and um, they've put your name on the list and you kind of see it there and you kind of try and take your phone out and take a photo without anyone seeing because you don't want to be that guy. But you, um, but you do want to record it. And actually, um, I can show it to you now. I've got it here. Um, this is how it looks. Your name. Um, they don't put it in a frame. I did that. Um, <laughs> but after about two weeks, I realized something, which I hadn't realized before, but hadn't really noticed as much before. It hadn't bothered me as much before. After about two weeks, I was looking at it one day, and I thought, huh, all the names are in kind of order of when you join the office. So most senior at the top, most junior at the bottom. So I was like almost on the pavement. I was like really down low. Like you had to kind of go... and. And I was like, oh, it's all right. I think it'd just look a little bit better if it was a bit higher up. And I was like, it's going to take a long time. Like, a lot of people have got to move on. It's going to take years for that name to move up. And then I called myself, and I was like, for a year, all I wanted was to be on the board. And within two weeks, I thought of something else. It's not nearly enough. have to be so careful. So often our disappointments are someone else's dream. Are you going to take it with gratitude or take it for granted? If you take it with gratitude, it changes your prayer life. That's what I found. Gratitude stimulates your prayers. Gratitude shapes your prayers. Gratitude refines your prayers. When I'm praying, I'm often focused on on, on what's what's around me, the, the frustrations of the day. But when I start to say thank you, it's like my eyes lift up a bit and I have a different perspective. One of my uh, great friends is in a really difficult place at the moment. He's seriously ill and he's been having daily treatment for over 12 weeks. Just again and again and again and again and again. He's got a young family, very difficult circumstance. And one of my daughters and I were praying for him on uh, Friday and I just texted him to say, "What, what, what can we be praying for you? And in the midst of all that is going on in his life, this is what he said. He said, I, I, I just, I'm so thankful that the side effects of my treatment are so small. So thankful for that. Anything else? Oh, just, just, um, I'm so thankful that in the midst of all that's going on, I really feel the proximity of Jesus in my day-to-day life. And then he said, oh, and I, I guess there's some tests coming up in a few weeks and we'll see how the treatment's gone. And all that kind of stuff. But the, the catalyst of his prayers was gratitude in the most difficult circumstance he has ever faced in his entire life. I want to encourage you, if you're struggling to pray tomorrow, why don't you try this? Wake up. Say, thank you, God, that I'm awake. Thank you, God, I've got breath in my lungs. Thank you, God, that I've got food. You might have a lot, you might have a little. Thank you, God, I've got some food. Thank you, God, that I've got clean water that I can put in a glass if you've got a glass or a cup and I can drink it. Thank you, God, that I've got a roof over my head, that I've got some form of shelter. Thank you that there are people in my life. You might love some of them, you might find some of them more difficult, but thank you, God, there are people in my life. Thank you, God, that I have a purpose to my life. I might be still working out what it is. I might not be sure. I might be enjoying it. It might be challenging. But thank you that I have a purpose for my life. 
Thank you, God, that I've got a boss. If you've got a boss, they might not be perfect, but neither am I. Thank you, God, for my boss. Thank you for my parents. They might have made mistakes, but they made sacrifices too. Thank you for them. And then this, we're going to pray every day, midday, the Lord's Prayer. Why don't you just take a minute over these two words? Our Father. Thank you, God, that I can approach you as Father. You know, for thousands of years, thousands of people dreamt of being able to approach God with the intimacy of saying, Our Father. And we can do it today. Thank you, Jesus. It says here, the Lord is near. Don't take for granted that the Lord is near. He's present in your life. He cares about what you care about. He is with you. Thank you, Lord, that I can pray to you all, that I can approach the Holy of Holies. I know that when I speak out my prayers, you bend your ear to listen to me. I know that you don't turn away, but through Jesus, because of Jesus, you hear my prayer and you're ready. The whole of heaven stands ready to respond. Thank you, Lord, that I can approach you with boldness and without fear on my best day and my worst day. Thank you, Lord, that you hear me. You find you start with gratitude. It changes how you pray. When you pray, your prayers go before you. Into your day, your week, your year. Into your conversations, your discussions, your relationships. Prayer is the real business of heaven. Prayer shapes the battlefield before you even step onto it. Prayer prepares the way. Prayer goes before you into your families, into your schools, into your universities, into your businesses, into your hospitals, into your startups, wherever you are. Prayer prepares the ground. And you can pray. We're going to be praying every morning for three people to come to know Jesus. If you're not excited about that, I just want to encourage you. Do you know Jesus? Maybe you just need to take a moment and say, Lord, would you show me what I have to be grateful for that I have encountered Jesus? And then fire me up to pray for three people I know to encounter Jesus. Just think what could happen in this anxious time, in this troubled world, As we pray, Lord, would you make me an agent of your peace today? So thankful for what you've put in my life. So thankful for what you've done for me. Would you guard my heart and my mind with your peace, with the peace of God, that I might overflow with peace into this anxious world? You know, before God does anything, he causes people to pray. Every major move of God has been preceded by people gathering to pray. Just think what might happen as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.